This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So we're going to jump into the Word here. Uh, this series, Emotional Freedom. Take this, uh, go back and listen to it. Many of you are, are taking control of those thoughts. God wants you to master your emotions. He doesn't want you to be an emo emotional basket case or up and down like a roller coaster. He doesn't want uh, emotions controlling you and dominating you. He doesn't want these negative emotions dictating to you your decisions, causing you to be stressed out, causing you to have panic and depression, all these things. I want you to know God is bigger than those negative emotions. We've seen that Jesus bore those at the cross. Jesus took every negative emotion where you don't have to. And we, we found out that it's an exchange. In Isaiah 53, it was an exchange. Jesus took our place where we could take his place and have the blessing, have the fulfillment of every single law, every single, he dotted every I and crossed every T of the law, where we could have the blessing, where we could walk in what he's called us to. And then he said, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you my grace or my ability to fulfill what I'm calling you to do. No wonder when we see him face to face, we're going to cast our crowns down. That's where we're going to realize he did it all. It was just us cooperating or surrendering to him. So we want to be those that control the way we feel. You can control the way you feel. And that's good news. Because sometimes we don't feel so hot. Amen. Sometimes we just feel like the Monday morning blues. Especially if it's raining. And you just kind of blah. You don't want to get up. And it starts getting colder. And the, the bed gets cozier. You ever notice that? It just the bed starts sleeping better when it's cold. And it's like this, this thing, the blanket's holding you in. And you have to burst out. I feel good today. Like I knew I would. Okay, never mind. I'm definitely not going to have you to throw off that negative emotion of me being off key. Okay. <laughs> At the cross, Jesus bore every curse for sin. He took the unrighteousness, he took depression, he took worry, he took poverty, he took lack, he took fear, abandonment, abuse, rejection, he took anger, he, he took it for us. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And now we have what's left is peace, shalom, the peace of God. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It's God's peace. So you see this in your notes. You have supernatural peace and supernatural joy on the inside. And we've seen that this, this peace is not our peace, it's Jesus' peace. Now how many know that Jesus doesn't have a, a worried day? He's not up in heaven worried and stressed out about things here on the earth. He's not calling an emergency meeting of the angels and said we've got to do something. The earth's in a mess and don't know what we're going to do and and panic starts to hit God. And when he gets panicked, you know, thunders all over the earth. And No. 
No, he already put the end in the beginning. <laughs> we already know the end of this, so we can rejoice from that viewpoint. Yeah, I had somebody say, well, I just can't help the way I act. Yeah, you can. You really can. One of the classic ones I love years ago, I heard Joyce Myers, uh, Ellen and I were uh, in the service with her, and she was talking about, um, she was just having a, I started to say a holy fit, it would be an unholy fit, and uh, with Dave, her husband, and just, she said just letting him have it, and he was uh, just as calm and cool, collective, was, said, I'm going to play golf, and a wise man, leave the house. Uh, anyway, and, and all this is going on, and there's a knock at the door, and it's the pastor. What happened? Her thinking shifted and changed. And I, I, it doesn't matter what the motivation is, it changed. Her behavior changed. Greets the door very, oh, come on right in, pastor. So good to see you. How are you doing that? I'm doing just awesome. I tell you, I just, if I was doing any better, I just, I don't know what I'd do. I'm just so blessed. I'm in love with the Lord. And uh, you're an awesome pastor. Oh, hey, Dave, where are you going? You're going to play golf? Well, bless you, my husband. <laughs> bless you, dear. Such a good husband. <laughs> and she said, I was just acting. Well, if you'd act that way not to be an embarrassment to your husband, maybe we should act differently because God wants us to act differently. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed is the man, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. And we've seen, if you remember from Isaiah 26, 3, uh, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. When your mind is stayed on the Lord, you can have perfect peace because you trust in him. So that's what he's talking about. A blessed man is one who trusts in the Lord. He has his mind on the Lord. Verse 8, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. Living waters. You, you think about the river being the, the source of nourishment. Uh, that, that living water that never runs dry. It's always satisfying. So God is the, is the water here, the, the river, our source, our nourishment. You know, really only Jesus can thirst, quench that thirst. He's the only one that satisfies. And, and sometimes you have to live long enough to see that, but we're believing for people younger and younger to realize only He's satisfied. If, it's, if he says, this way is blessed, it's true. His way is, is blessed. It says, for he shall be like a tree. But who's this tree? The blessed man who trusts in the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by the waters, spreads out its roots by the river. It says, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. Will not fear. What's he talking about? Will not have those negative emotions. Will not get in the worry. Will not get in the strife, fear. 
those negative emotions, when your mind is stayed on the Lord, when your thoughts are on Him. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have moments. I'm saying keep them as moments. That you get hit with something, and uh, we're, we are human, and something you know, rises in us. The, the good news is, quickly, you can look inside and stir up that peace of God and get the other perspective, get the correct perspective about things. And don't make it a monument, just make it a moment. Just a moment, and then it, it passes. Will not fear the heat. Will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. Doesn't matter how heated the situation gets. You ever felt like you were just being cooked? <laughs> the heat was on? Well, when the heat's on, you're still not in fear. You're still not giving in to those negative emotions. Maybe someone's heated about you. You can stay in the peace of God and let them just stay heated. And you walk by the Spirit. And you walk in love. And don't give in to the heat. And you stay green. What does green represent? You're healthy. You're nourished. You're staying plugged into the river. You're like a big tree then. Planted by the rivers of water. Nourished. Prospering. Blessed. Now I'm not saying when the heat comes your flesh won't try and rise up. It, it will. It'll, it'll try and make some noise and get riled up. But you quickly say, no, I have the peace of God on the inside of me. And you, you stay by the river. It says, we will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Here's another one. We'll not be anxious. Not going to be frustrated. Uh, anxiety, depression, oppress, all these things. Uh, even in the year of drought, I refuse these negative emotions. I refuse to give in to those thoughts that are bombarding my mind. I refuse them. I reject them. And I replace them with what God says. That's a process that you start to learn to do this. But you get quicker and faster and faster at it. Until it can be just about instant. till you just stay in peace. And people say you're in denial. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you man? Don't you know what's going on? Yes. I know what's going on. But I have the peace of God. And I just can't work up a worry about it. <laughs> that's what we're after it says even in drought that means when there's recession when things are going bad in, in, in the earth I'm still not ruled by the cares and the, the stresses and those things dictated to me by this world I refuse to be ruled by them I choose to yield to the spirit of God I choose to yield to what God says you can become a victim real quick with thoughts you can become full of regret real quick with thoughts. But you know, you don't add, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you don't add one inch to your stature. It does you no good. In fact, it hurts you because the stress and what it does to your body will cause you to be fatigued. Many sicknesses, they're saying like 90% of sickness and diseases because of stress and, and worry and these negative emotions. And God doesn't want that force. I'm not going to be, and recession comes, I'm still tithing. 
I'm still giving. I've had it where it's gotten tighter on me and we've given more. Because I refuse. And you've got to refuse to be led by circumstances, by the situation around us. We refuse that and we choose what God says. It says, your life or your tree staying close to the river, you'll not have this anxiety and you will stay in peace. And that's what we're after. And Daniel chapter 6 is a great story. You can come back and, and read it. But Daniel was taken captive. He's in foreign land. And the king there chose 120 princesses or to be over different providences. And then he chose three men that would be over those 120. And Daniel was one of them. And Daniel, it, it said that he had an excellent spirit. He had sailed. And the king thought to himself, I'm putting him over the entire empire. This is what Daniel was going to get. But there's some people that are upset about this. Here's a foreigner coming in and just taking over. And that said they schemed and they looked for something that they could get Daniel about. But they couldn't find anything. Say so he was completely faithful and trustworthy and honest. They couldn't find anything. And they finally said, oh, we know what we can get. So they attacked his faith. They attacked his faith and said, let's get the king to make a law. If you pray to anyone except the king you get thrown into the den of lions. I may have heard this. Remember the story. And what does Daniel do? I mean, here he is in a culture where they make a law against his faith, against praying. Sounds a little bit familiar, the way things can change, doesn't it? Other words, Daniel, you pray, you die. What's Daniel going to do? He's, he's just like you and I. He's, he's human. You know, is he going to get fearful? Is he going to give in and start obeying man instead of God? Is he going to be a, a man pleaser instead of a God pleaser? What's he going to do? What's stirring on the inside of him? And it says in, in verse 10, When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. And knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. And he shut all the windows. He put the phone off the hook. He put a blanket over his head. And cried out to God, I'm afraid! Oh, sorry, it's a compromised version. Said he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Oh, come on. Shut the windows, man. <laughs> you can still pray and shut the windows. He refused to be dominated or dictated to about his relationship with God to the point he said, nah, keeping the windows open. Not shutting any windows. I'm not hiding anything. Why? He had the peace of God on the inside of him. 
something was stirring inside of him that was much stronger than the law of the land that said, I'm going to take your life if you pray. You can have supernatural peace even when the world is turned against your faith in God. Supernatural peace even when the world is turned against your faith in God. So what happens is the king is very regretful that this happened because they come to him and said, Daniel is breaking the law. And as a king, he cannot change the law. He has to go with it. And, and finally, it says that he fasted that, that night. He didn't even sleep. They threw Daniel into the line, uh, den of lions. And early the next morning, he runs out to see how Daniel is. It says, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I've been found innocent in his sight. I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel... Be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. How did he trust on his God? Because his mind was on the Lord. And the peace of God came, stirred up on the inside of him to where he was peaceful. And God's grace was there. And he got rescued. And you see in your notes, you can have supernatural peace in the lion's den. You can have the peace of God in the lion's den. Interesting here, it says that the king then said, look, everyone that, that uh, schemed and put this all together, throw them into the lion's den. Throw them, their children, their wives, all of them. The dogs probably. Throw them all in. And it says that they were devoured before they hit the bottom. You can have supernatural peace. Even when the, it looks like the enemy is won. Looks like the law. Looks like everything is going wrong. But God. But God. And here's a great listen this. Verse 25, it's in your notes. King Darius sent the message to the people of every race and nation, language throughout the world, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lines. Get this. A government that makes a law against praying. 
turns it all the way around and makes a law. You better serve the God that Daniel serves. He is the true and the living God. He rescues even in the lion's den. He's the mighty God. I make a decree that I can't change. (laughs) That we're going to serve the true and the living God in this kingdom. Well, I was just so stirred thinking about America when I was studying this out. And I thought, God, you're not finished with America. I believe that there is an uprising of a glorious church totally devoted to Heavenly Father and His grace and His plan and that revival, that, that harvest, that last day harvest will come about. And people will see and know that there is a true and a living God. And His power's not been shortened. You don't have to revise His book. His book is an unchangeable book. And it is true even to this day. And will be true throughout all eternity. He's God. He is God. And it doesn't matter what law or what Supreme Court says that God made a mistake about marriage and there needs to be a revision. It doesn't fit our time. It doesn't matter. The book says it and we live by the book and he's true and he's righteous and he's unchanging God. Yes. Yes and amen. Say yes and amen. amen. John eight thirty two, And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. God's truth will change your negative emotions. When you take those truths and start thinking those truths. Meditate on that. It will change your emotions. You can change your emotions. I heard a testimony the other day of a person getting shock treatment with their bipolar and they got hold of the message of God's supernatural peace on the inside. And they didn't have to put up with this anymore. And every time junk came against them, they said, No, I have the peace of God on the inside of me. And you know what happened to them? The supernatural peace of God changed their chemicals and changed their hormones. And now they're no longer bipolar. Don't tell me this God cannot change it or do it. Our own Joanne Rook over our um, healing ministry has seen five people with dementia totally healed by the Word of God going in supernaturally, changing them, and they have clarity of mind, and they're, they're sound thinking now. God is a great God. I've had some people going there anger management classes and don't need it. You know, you cannot medicate a spiritual issue. Mm. Colossians 3, 14. And above these, put on love, enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together in complete ideal Completely in ideal harmony. And let the peace, soul harmony which comes from Christ rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. In that peaceful state, 
to which as members of Christ, one body, you were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God. It says we're to let that peace, the peace of God, rule in our lives. And rule here means to arbitrate, to govern, to prevail, or to umpire. And I have a little illustration I want to show you about this, this word umpire. I think we're all um, familiar with baseball. I'd say the batter's up and he, he hits, hits the ball and it looks like it's going to be inside the park home run. And the guy's rounding the bases. He comes around third and there's the umpire. He's going to make a call. He's going to say, you're safe or you're out. And let's say the catcher gets the ball and he tags the runner. He beats a second late. And the umpire goes, safe! Well, that's the same picture that God is saying about his peace. You can take his peace and it can be the umpire about those thoughts that come to you. And they always come veiled as your own voice. They always come with, in, in first person. You think that, have you ever had a thought that you know that wasn't your thought? That's the enemy. He'll come and he will use your voice. It will come, this thought, and it will be like you said it. But what do you do with that? That's the key. What do you do with that thought? Well, you better call upon the umpire. And he has the last word. The umpire has the last word. Don't come against the ump. Have you ever been gone against the ump? Not a pretty sight. When you come against the ump, who is the peace of God, not a pretty sight. So I need two volunteers that I want two people. Not too fast here. I need a... Thank you, Ron. We'll give you Al. I need... Give me a... a okay, there we go. <laughs> we got safe and out. Now, we got some people. We're going, we're going to hear some thoughts. And these thoughts are, are going to be coming towards these two. And if it's a thought of... Peace, or it lines up with God's word. It promotes life and peace. John goes, safe! If it's a thought that does not promote life and peace, Ron goes, out, out of here. You remember we talked about casting out, casting or those thoughts, you capture them, you take them captive. What do you do? You cast out. You cast out the cares. You cast out those thoughts that do not bring life and peace. And we're bombarded with these all the time. So, Zach, go ahead. Let's get some thoughts. So I wanted to make sure that we got these out. So, um, Michael, you had a thought. I'm not going to make it. Out! <laughs> I think you had another one too, didn't you, Michael? Things never go right for me. Let's see, I think time. we had another thought over, over here. Uh, my God is meeting all my needs. I can't control my emotions. 
Yeah, I think they're getting it, Pastor Bob. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wait, we have another thought over here. Sorry. I cast all my cares upon the Lord. <laughs> I'm worried about the future. God always causes me to triumph in Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, I got another one. The Memphis football Tigers are the best team. Come on. All right. Let's give these guys and our thoughts a hand. All these. <laughs> now, I threw that one in just, uh, you notice we have mixed reaction. And some, some thoughts are, are neutral. It's just your preference, you know. You like a red car. Well, that's your preference. You know, God doesn't care if it's red, blue, you know, what you like, you know, your desire. But anyway, those that said that the Memphis Tigers aren't the best team, and when they said out, you were wrong in that case. But. <laughs> All right. Closing here, 1 Corinthians 4.33, For God's not the author of confusion, but of peace as is in all the churches of the saints. Uh, when it's confusion, that's not God. And you have a decision to make, you need to get before God, just like Mary did, sit at Jesus' feet, till you get peace. Till you get that peace. And then make a decision. Don't just make a decision and not have peace. 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding the eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is he saying here? He said, our light affliction, or just for a moment, but while, it's like that, while you look at the things that are not seen. When you look at the, the peace of God, the love of God, His faithfulness, when you look at the promises, that's when it seems like a light affliction that lasts for a moment. And that's what we want. We want to be able to walk and live in the peace of God. And the days that we live in, it's even more critical than ever that we live in the peace of God and stay in that place. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13 since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore speak. If I'm believing, then I'm speaking. If I'm not believing, I'm not speaking. In other words, there's a connection between your mouth and your heart. And God wants you speaking those things. You start saying, my God does meet all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You speak it out. That's the way faith works. You speak it out. Now, the good news is you can persuade your heart by speaking it out. You keep speaking it and meditating on thinking about it. You can persuade your heart. Once your heart's got it, you can speak to a mountain and it has to go. Amen? Over in, in uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Take no thought saying... Take no thought saying. When you, start, when you start saying a thought, you start owning it. So you want to watch what you say. You have a crazy wild thought hit you. Bob, you need to go rob a bank. 
you have a crazy thought hit you, don't say, you know, I just need to go rob a bank. I need to go rob a bank. Go home and a movie's on about a bank robbery. They got away with it. Start meditating. <laughs> no, don't speak it out in the first place. Just go ahead and speak the opposite. No, my God puts me over. I don't need to rob a bank. My God's my supply. His streets are paved in gold. What do I need with some bank? Speaking is important. What you're saying. And that goes for your home. Is there peace in your home? If there's not peace in your home, it's because your mouth. Your big mouth. What's coming out? It's, the word says shouldn't be bitter water and sweet water. If, if it's coming out and it's not life and peace, you're causing stress. You're causing people to be oppressed, depressed. All these things are happening. What if you start saying, man, this place is blessed. My family's blessed. They're all serving God. Start speaking the promises of God. Let's bow our head. I want to ask you a question this morning. If I was to ask you why God should allow you in heaven, what would you say? Your, your answer is so important because it would determine if you'd go. What would you say? Maybe you'd say, well, I hope I go to heaven. Well, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says hoping will get you to heaven. So, well, I love God. That is the last thing the terrorists said when they flew into the World Trade Center. They said they love God. Wrong God. Wrong demonstration of love. Well, my parents, they said, I'm a Christian because I was raised in a Christian home. There's nowhere in the Bible it says because you were raised in a Christian home that you're a Christian. And someone needs to value you enough and be honest with you and tell you that's not the way to get to heaven. That's not the truth. How do you get there? Well, Jesus made it very plain. He said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. What does that mean? It means that you surrender to Him. You give Him all your heart and all your life. You're devoted to Him. In fact, the Bible talks about, really, we're not after converts. We're after disciples. We want to make disciples. Diligent, devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have that relationship with Him... That gets you in heaven. Because you get in on his perfection. Because heaven's a perfect place. Well, if this morning you never called upon him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to him. Maybe you prayed this before, but you know you haven't been living for God. You know that you've, you've gone backwards instead of forwards. And you can get in on this prayer too. If every head bowed and no one looking around, I'm going to ask you for either one of these invitations. I want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. And we're going to pray together. And in just a few moments, we'll have prayer partners down here. I want you to come and let them pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you.
We praise you. Won't you say this after me? Say, Dear Lord, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price that was paid. He paid the price for all my sin. He took my death penalty where I could have a life sentence, where I could have eternal life. I surrender my life, all my heart, totally to Jesus. And I thank you, Lord. I now belong to him. I'm now saved. Jesus. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.